Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Finder, and I'm with my host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by AutoClose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you not introduce today's guest, but just talk about what we're going to be talking about today. You know what I love doing? When we don't have a guest on, I, I see Sean's eyes going across his screen as he reads the script for the intro every single time, but he cannot when we don't have a guest because we don't have a script for that. I do love seeing him struggle with that. It's good fun. But yeah, as I said, no guests today. I want to go through the early days of autoclose. And and we have done that before, but with a view of what is the first 30 days like if you started a company today? What would happen? What would you not do? What things would go under the radar? I think it's a little bit like building a house. You can account for everything and somehow someone forgot to order the roof and it's six months over budget and, and all those things. Something happens, but as best we can mitigating that. What's it like and what should we do? So very broad opening. So what, what comes to mind? Yeah. So right away when you said it, when you said you're, when you're building a house, well, you can't build a house without your permits. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, when you're starting a business, everything, not everything, but a lot of stuff actually gets done before the business gets off the ground running. You incorporate your company, you start looking at, you know, you having an accountant look at it, you have to get terms and conditions and all that fun stuff. Well, not fun stuff, but legal stuff. Um, but a lot of this stuff actually happened way before that launch date. Um, I know, for example, for me, um, you know, I had a full-time job when I first started my first business and I was doing everything on the side, even though, even six months before I actually launched AutoClose. And what I was actually doing was building an email list of people that were going to follow me along that journey. So building that landing page, talking about what we were building early on um, so that when we did actually launch, we had an MVP, which changed every day for those 30 days. But I already had the company as a whole, the infrastructure down and ready to start growing. So I think a lot of the stuff, er, early stuff happens before those 30 days. Um, but during those 30 days where you really try and build out and get that company out there. Okay. So we just spoke to Jeffrey Jorick, who's a yep. sales trainer. He works for himself and he started fairly similarly, although not quite as much of a run up. He didn't actually intend to go full blooded full time with his own company. He wanted to do it on the side. But I hear that more and more and more often right now. Can you do it without doing that? And I think that you can, you just have to have the bank roll, but, but in all cases, you know, we're not all well well off enough to do that, I would guess. Is is that just a shocking idea? Or should I mean, have a good run-up? Well, to be honest, a lot, a lot of people don't think about it. I mean, I, I know here in Canada, I don't know how it is in the UK. I know it's similar in the US. But, you know, as you're, you know, taxes takes a lot of your salary. When you work for a company, taxes takes a lot. I know, for example, you know, for here in Canada, you can get between 30 to 45% of your money taken by the government. So... Look at it like this. If you started a business and you have a few clients that are interested in your business, say you're making $100,000 with the company you're currently working for, you only have to make $50,000 for yourself to make the same amount as it would be if it was $100,000 for a company. Why? Because you get to write off basically everything. Every dinner, every everyone is a, everything is a write-off. So I think people don't realize that, but the way Jeff did it, and it was very interesting, was he waited for those first few clients. So I mean, I personally, I went from a six-figure sales job to making $49.99 on my first subscription, and I quit my job. So I actually left after $50. However, I made sure before I started AutoClose, I had six months of runway of money in the bank that I can pay my mortgage, 
Um, I'm at the time now she's my wife. She was my girlfriend that I can you know, still have date nights with her and all. I could still live my life for six months and not struggle. Um, so I made sure I had that in the bank from my previous job before I went on my own. But a, a lot of people make mistakes and just go, you know, straight into the next role. But I think it's important to have a little bit of that extra room or have those clients say, you know what, Ollie, um, as soon as you start your, your, your business December 1st, I'm going to be one of your first clients or I'm going to be one of your first clients. And you have two or three of those clients, at least you're making some money um, and not going in there thinking, okay, I'm going to start this from literally ground zero and, and try and grow the company. So that's the biggest thing for me. It's no matter how much time you have in the bank, how much runway you have, probably not many people think about that as much as they should or budget for enough that they are comfortable. They'll, they'll play, they'll play it as bare bones. They won't spend any money. There'll be no dinners, nothing out, you know, just yeah. bare bone living. And after three or four months, instead of six, they're looking down the barrel. But uh, so you talked about building up a bit of a list, a bit of a yes. sort of pre-subscription. So how did you do that? Because from, from all accounts, I know that that went really well for you and that launched you well. You weren't sat there on day one with runway, but nothing, as you said. That was really helpful for you. And that's basically what, you know, everything went so good from there much quicker than it would have done if you had nothing. How, yeah. how did you do it? What happened? So, so basically, imagine this. Uh, you're building a, con a, a huge apartment, okay? And you're going to watch it go floor by floor by floor by floor. And when that, con when that apartment's built, you're like, well, I've actually felt like I've built that apartment because I was, you know, picking the colors, picking the lighting, picking the windows, picking the doors, picking the doorknobs, et cetera. The same thing with my business. So when we did auto close, I actually flew to New York and I met, I met uh, three developers that were actually out of Serbia. Um, I had a mutual connection with them. We met them in New York. So I flew to New York for the day. We went through everything. And from that day where they said it's going to take seven months to build, I started building my list. And what I started to do was talk about our idea. And every week or two, I sent an email to our list showing our development. I mean, showing our first floor was done. We've put the doors on. We've put the windows on. Everything with our software. So when we actually went to launch day, we had thousands of people that were sitting there waiting like, Wow, for the last six months, I've been part of this journey with Sean. And I feel like even though I didn't invest in it, I am invested in it. And when we started out and we asked them for, you know, $20, $30 to sign up and see it, not one person would say no. We had tons of demos. You know the story, Ollie. It was me and a, another a good friend of mine at the time. Well, still a good friend, um, Adrian. We were sitting in the boardroom and just doing demo after demo after demo. And these weren't cold demos. These were people that, like said, you know, it was amazing watching your journey go from, you know, zero to 10. Um, so let's just say those first 50, 100 were the easiest sales of my life um, because the people felt like they were a part of it. And I always tell people, you want to start your launch six months before your launch. You're just like a, a company going IPO. It's not like nobody knows they're going IPO on, on November 13th or December 13th. There's a marketing lead up to that. It's the same way when you start your business. That sounds a lot like, um, I forget the author's name. It might be Daniel Priestley. There's a book called Oversubscribe. That's basically the same concept, but a little bit more like a cohort type of thing. This is how people drag people through courses and Facebook groups and these things. But that's a good book. And everybody check that one out. So a lot of what we talked about is basically pre-day one or on day one and the very early parts of it. So what else happens? I mean, obviously oh. cash flow dependent. There's hiring. There's other things. There's 
I've got to get a website and all these things. But day one, you've quit job. What then? There's a whole lot of, oh, crap, we've got to sell. But but what actually happens on that day? Well, this is exactly what happens. You realize, okay, you know, I have a business now. I need marketing. I need a graphic designer. I need support. I need operations. I need sales. And guess what? You're going to do all of them. You actually wear every hat. And the funniest story was I, for the first, actually still to this day. So if anyone's listening as a client, if you ever see a Jeffrey finder in our support, the reason why Jeffrey finder is still there is because for my first few months, Jeffrey's my middle name. And nobody actually knew it was actually the CEO that was reporting, answering every support ticket we had. So even now I go in and still sometimes add support because I feel like I, that's the only way I can learn what my business is doing. But, so those first 30 days, I'm doing everything. If people would call me and be like, can I speak to your marketing? No problem. Let's put on with Steve. Steve was me. So I was actually doing everything for the first little bit. As we ramped up that revenue from the initial, that initial list, um, then we started bringing on our first marketing guy. We had a developer, but um, we started bringing on a website guy. So um, early on, it's you doing everything. Um, and, and if you say you're going to hire, ten, unless you're funded, you can't. So you got to wear many hats. Um, and I say, the one thing I did was I knew a lot about certain things, but a little bit about everything. I know a little bit about development because every morning, 8 a.m., me and my developers had a call. I knew a little bit about, you know, marketing or website design, even though I'm not a designer, because I went on those calls. So I knew a little bit about everything. And if anyone asked me, I could answer that. Um, but as I said, Ollie, it was just wearing a lot of hats. And people still in our company now, they still laugh at Jeffrey Finder because like, who's Jeffrey? Well, Jeffrey is still the CEO. <laughs> All right. So that's that's how you did it. And obviously, you know, you've you made some mistakes along the way. Maybe oh, you yeah. struggled for bandwidth and stuff like that. All things going well, like you plan to do things that we've spoken about. What what else went wrong that you just couldn't have planned for? Because I'm I'm a big believer in part of being a founder and starting your own company. It's not just for the point of you know building your long term wealth and building this company. It's also you're the guy, the founder, the the guy, guy, yep. whatever. You you will learn. You are yep. forced to learn the hard way. So that's the big benefit. So what what actually can you not account for and just have to go through? I will say one of my biggest mistakes early on, and it was a mistake that I didn't realize early on, but it came back to bite me in the butt a year and a half later, was as a founder and CEO, you need to keep your financials up to date. You need to keep your reporting up to date. You need to keep your analytics up to date. You need to keep your expenses up to date, your balance sheet. For the first year and a half, for the first year, I didn't even do my taxes. I was two years behind on my tax in the first sorry, after a year. And the reason why is because you're so busy bi- building the company, but you're not actually looking to see, okay, what are my expenses? I know I have money in the bank. We have money in the bank. Let's spend some. Let's spend this. We made $5,000. let us spend it on this. So the biggest mistake I did was not keep track of the financials early on. Where that bit me was when we started, when we got acquired October 2020, I had all the financials in here. But then the person that was coming to acquire is like, oh, okay, let me see your audited financial statements, your balance sheets, your income statements, your, your CAC, your this, your that. And I'm like, uh, 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 I had none of it. Um, and what that did was it wasn't bad that it didn't have anything because any startup, you're, you want to grow it. But what it does was it, 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 you lose leverage in that negotiation at the beginning because you look like you do not know your numbers. So one recommendation I would say, and it's the, the biggest mistake I made was from day one, have clean 
financial statements. Know your reporting, know how many customers, know your cost to get a customer, know your average revenue per customer, know all that stuff and have an accountant that is sending you that report every month. If you don't do it yourself, have somebody every month that you can say, okay, we spent $2,000 on marketing last month. We're spending 10 this month, or we got 4,000 sales. Like, don't just judge it based on what's in your bank. Um, really know your numbers. Biggest mistake I made, Ollie. Um, and I would definitely not do that again. Okay. Um, maybe final question, unless, unless I pull something out of your answer here. So obviously the acquisition happened. We, we all know that personally. We've mentioned it many times. Um, a lot of companies don't start out with that in mind. They might think, yeah, we're going to grow this and we'll see what happens. Those options come out at the right timing. You can raise, you can keep it as a lifestyle company, you can be acquired, whatever happens. Or, or you can hand it down into the family, whatever you want. How, uh, how early did you ever think about any of that and not even deciding? Is that within the first 30 days? Should you have in mind, this is going to be a growth company, we're going to go quite hard, we're going to have to keep an eye on runway and we're going to try and get acquired or raised or is it just let's see if this works and then we'll do that that's an amazing question Alec, because um a lot of people don't know the answer to this and and and, and if you're a founder and you're not thinking of an exit at some point i think you're just lying everyone thinks of it but funny enough i did make an early mistake so my first company was called exchange leads and the reason why i came up with exchange leads was the day jigsaw got acquired by salesforce and they got acquired for, I think it was, uh, at the time, it was 160 million. I don't remember the exact number. It was, a, it was hundreds of millions. I was in lunch, I was at lunch and I said to myself, they just built the database and sold data and got sold for that much money. I'm like, I'm going to do the exact same thing now that they're gone. And Jigs in exchange lead was Jigsaw. I actually spoke to the founder, Jim, um, Jim Fowler, and, and I, I just decided to build a Jigsaw saying to myself, Telling my wife, I'm going to sell my company for hundred million. I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to build it and sell it. And let me tell you, it doesn't happen like that. Just to get my first few clients was not easy. Um, however, for my second business, AutoClub, when we went through the acquisition, I didn't even want to get acquired. I was making, we were making money. We were profitable. I was traveling to Hawaii, working on my own schedule. I didn't have to ask someone permission to take a vacation day. I, could, I worked hard, but I took a vacation day whenever I wanted. Um, so I was not actually looking for the acquisition. It was, it was at a conference where um, David Hood, the now CEO of VanillaSoft, um, asked if it, and I was like, well, I'll listen. So there was actually no intention. I was, I was really happy just growing the company. We had a great team, great people, great product. Um, and I was really enjoying the ride. You know, I was getting, getting brand new shirts made at the time, not thinking of, a, of an acquisition. Um, but, you know, it ended up being the right time. And it wasn't, it not necessarily was the right time for me. I, I you know, I, I, what, I was cool. I was good either way. But for some of our team members, I thought it was a great opportunity. And I always build companies, not for me, for my team. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity for some people to expand their professional development. Um, to, to become, some of them were, you know, they could have went the entrepreneurial way. Some of them, you know, were kind of with me, they grew the company, but I knew they couldn't take us to the next level. So they would move on. So for me, it was more, um, I thought it was a great opportunity, A, for our clients, but B, I thought for our team, um, because I was totally okay, just continue to grow the company, um, building a company over year after year. Um, and, 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 and I really loved being an entrepreneur. I love the team. Um, and I love building the products. So I would say, uh, I hope that answers your question, Ollie, but uh, d 
definitely, um, definitely, it was fun um, being your own boss. But you didn't think at one point, and I think you said it was a mistake, you didn't think even at one month, three months, nine months, two years, this might be the exit. You were just going for it and, and it happened because it happened. But I, I was, I was, I was always thinking of an exit at the end, but you know, at the time it was like most companies don't exit when they're in growth mode. Um, and we were in, we were just in growth mode. We were at the time of the acquisition, we were just getting started and, you know, it takes some time for the branding. So would I say I never thought of it? Of course I thought of it. Did I think at the time where we did get acquired, that's when we were going to get acquired? No. Um, it was just a, it was a random, um, you know, our, our CRO now, Daryl came, saw our product. Next day, introduced me to the CEO. He saw our product, asked if I wanted to get acquired. I said, I'll, I'm willing to listen. And then it was 11 months of conversations, talking, financials, this, that, negotiating. Um, and and when it came down to it, I just thought it was a good opportunity for both both product lines, but also, as I said, most importantly, my team, who is the most important thing to me. I love it. Okay, I'm right out of questions. You want to sign us out? You want to do the outro if you got the sheet ready to read it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the sheet is here. So, guys, you ready? I'm reading right off it. I have one last question for you, Ollie. How do you self-educate yourself? I interview Sean Finder. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Ollie. This was a lot of fun um, doing something a little bit different today. Um, but also, I, I hope everybody listening today really enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy the show, um, please don't forget to give us a five-star review. And, uh, and listen to our latest podcast with Jeff as well. Um, it was a lot of fun with Jeff. Um, we did that recording recently. So, Thank you guys so much and see you soon.